Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Don Callahan talking UNC football recruiting. Don, it's been a couple weeks since we last talked. Has not been a whole lot of stuff going on on the football recruiting front lately. So, you know, that's kind of uh, our, our poor excuse as to why you and I have not done these podcasts lately. But uh, we have a lot to catch up on, man. So first off, you know, how things been going for you? Things been going good. You know, um, even though it died down somewhat, it, it hasn't been, hasn't broken for me at all. There's been plenty of stuff going on and we'll get into all that. And yeah, so how's everything going with you? It's going good. You know, it's the summer. So just trying to deal with the heat as best we can and deal with the storms and you know, life just pretty much as usual. And for those that are listening in right now, in case, you know, anyone's wondering, Don did not break his audio equipment or anything. (laughs) He's actually being a trooper today and is doing the podcast from the car. So I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I'm actually on 85 South heading to Charlotte. And this is actually, I guess, a good little uh, teaser for what's going to be coming on Inside Carolina for the next couple of weeks. High school football practices in North Carolina will start up on Monday. And basically for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be going to at least one practice. This week I'm going to at least two practices a day. Monday I'm actually going to three. I'm going to see guys like Tony Davis and Sam Howe, who's committed to Florida State. So it's going to be an interesting conversation with him. Tony Davis is, a, is a, will be inter- interesting as well because he's been silent for a while. He, I think the last interview he did was back in March. And uh, since then, he's visited North Carolina at least once that the public is aware about. So I'm interested to see just what he's willing to say. Because a lot, I, I've spoken to him, I've had conversations with him, but all those prior conversations, he's asked for them to be off the record, which which I will respect. And I'm hoping that he goes on the record to kind of uh, shed some light on a situation that really could um, help North Carolina's recruiting class if uh, if it breaks right for UNC. So yeah, so I'm gonna be busy the next few weeks, and that's why. Yeah, we're doing this, and uh, hopefully I don't get into an accident or get pulled over while we're on, on the uh, podcast. I don't know if that would make – I guess it would make good good radio, would it not? I mean, it would be in, I guess, the sense of, you know, it, it's the traditional no one can turn their eyes away from a train wreck, you know, type, type thing. Yeah. Um, yes, yes, yes. We'll make sure, though, Don, that if that does happen, you know, we'll make sure that the Inside Carolina logo is just on your casket there. That sounds good. Yeah. All right, man. Where do you want to go first? Um, you know, let's start with some slight positivity, I guess is what I'll say, where UNC had its second of the Carolina cookouts. Is that kind of what they're calling these, Don, the, the you know, informal get-togethers with uh, kids over the weekends? Yeah, at least this most recent one. I can't remember what they called the one in, in back in April, but this one was titled Carolina Cookout, although I don't think it's been um i guess uh labeled like you know the freak show you know uh-huh. um where where it has like this lasting sort of sort of uh name that that you know what everybody's talking about because i think in a few months no one's going to know what what the heck carolina cookout is but yeah i mean it was it was a big event you know as far as it was more focused on the 2020 and 2021 classes just because really i mean that's that's kind of i don't want to say that's a focus because we're still focused on the 2019 class but 
you know, so many holes have been filled already and there, and you have kind of like a finite group of guys that you're looking at the remaining holes that you kind of have to start to give a stronger look at the, at the underclassmen. And that's what UNC definitely did with this cookout. And there's a lot of really good underclassmen at the cookout. Yeah, I was actually going to bring that up as kind of my first talking point was just looking at the list of attendees that you posted on the Inside Carolina Tar Pit Premium Message Board. A vast majority of these guys were from the 2020-2021 classes. It was encouraging to see a couple of the UNC commits that were there as well, like Storm Duck and Drew Little. However, Don, I think kind of where I wanted to start this conversation off with is talking about Jaden McKenzie. For those who may not know who Jaden is, he's the in-state defensive tackle from Wake Forest, North Carolina. And, I mean, Don, in my opinion, Jaden's kind of UNC's last chance to get an upper-level defensive line commit within the state of North Carolina for this class. What do you think about that stance? Yeah, I think right now that's the way it looks. We don't know what's going to open up later on. If we look back this time last year and just look at just how we felt about that class, we didn't feel all that great about that class. And yet it ended on a very, very strong note. I'm not saying that's going to definitely happen with this class, but that's a possibility, especially if USC has a good season and some other schools have bad seasons and and start kind of losing commits and things kind of open up. But yeah, at this point, Jaden McKenzie is one of the top targets, regardless of the position. And it was, it's, it's always great to get him on campus, but he's made so many visits to campus, but it's always good to get him on there. And, you know, I, I did, I did speak to him briefly after his visit. The main thing that we kind of talked about really was just uh, some of his other visits that he's trying to take or has taken. He took a visit to Clemson and I was kind of surprised by, you know, he didn't seem overly excited. He didn't say he wasn't excited about the Clemson visit, but just sort of his, uh, Nonverbal responses weren't all, I guess, uh, I don't know, wasn't saying a whole lot of great things about Clemson, just, you know, outside of his words. And I thought that was a pretty good sign for North Carolina. And I think a lot of people are getting frustrated by the fact that he hasn't made a decision or hasn't really named favorites. His favorites are always changing and all that sort of stuff. And really, if you look at back at what some of the other Wake Forest guys, other than Javon Terry, who committed at the Freak Show last summer, all the other guys, Devin Lawrence, Dexter Lawrence, Zach Gill, they all have taken their time, have taken in-season official visits before rendering a decision. And I I think really, unless something drastically changes, I think that he wants to be close to home, which really kind of eliminates schools like Clemson and Ohio State, although you still always have to worry about them. So, but really kind of limits North Carolina's competition for him to Duke and Wake Forest. And I just think, you know, given UNC's program and given his comfort level at, at North Carolina with, with the amount of visits he's made, that, uh, I mean, North Carolina has to, you know, has to be the team to beat in, in that scenario. And I really fully expect him to take his visits, and I fully expect him to pick North Carolina at some point this fall. Let me ask you a question. You know, this was the first time North Carolina has done this for a lot of reasons. One, it's, you know, the, the calendar is a little bit different. We basically had a dead period for all of July and August, with the exception of the week from July 25th till July 31st. So a lot of schools did these, uh, they, they did either did it like a showcase camp like NC State did, or they did like a cookout sort of thing like North Carolina and Clemson did. So there, there was a lot of jockeying for uh, some of the top recruits, which really kind of made it difficult to get guys on campus. But uh, so North Carolina, you know, took this, I guess, what I think is a smarter route considering the circumstances and really kind of hit the underclassmen hard. 
when you look at the list, here the, 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 I guess the preview list and also the, the ultimate confirmed list, what were your impressions, you being the pulse of the fan? Well, so I think it's important to realize that with football recruiting nowadays, the timelines are so much sped up to even when they were five, six years ago. I mean, I talked with Mike Ingersoll and EJ Wilson a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago now, and we went over their recruitments and they talked about how, you know, they really didn't see a whole lot of interest until later on in their high school careers. But nowadays, when you have things like the huddle, highlights, YouTube, I mean, guys are just really going through their recruitments at an earlier and earlier age. And honestly, that trend is probably going to continue. So when you're looking at, you know, list of guys that they're coming on campus, sure, I think most fans are focused on what's happening in the current recruiting year. But we're in the summer before these kids are about to get to their senior years. A lot of them have already made commitments. And I think that, you know, while initially there is going to be a feeling of a little bit of a disappointment when you're like, okay, I don't really see some of the high four-star kids for the current class on this list. But then when you take a step back and realize, well, how many of those guys are truly available? Like you said, Don, the summer is a very busy time for kids. And if you take kind of the long-term view on things, you'll see that it's very important to establish these connections with the early kids as soon as possible. And I mean, you've always said this, and I can completely agree with it. Getting kids on campus is one of the best things that, that you can do in order to make yourself a true player in any kid's recruitment. No, I, I absolutely agree. But let me, let me take a step back. One of the other things that kind of hindered this weekend is, as I mentioned earlier, is that high school football starts up with practice, officially begins Monday. So there were high school coaches who didn't want their their players traveling this weekend. Mallet Creek was one of them initially, and then um, I guess they kind of talked things over and Coach Palmieri at, at Mallet Creek in Charlotte, which for those who don't follow high school football, Mallet Creek is, if, if not the, the most respected football program in the state, one of the most respected football programs in the state. They had a, about half a dozen kids at the cookout, and they nearly weren't going to make it. Um, we really weren't going to come. As of you know, Friday, they actually changed, uh, or I guess Coach Palmieri changed his mind and allowed them to come. And I think some of them wanted to go further away, and he was going to allow them to, to go someplace a little bit closer just as long as they you know, did what they needed to do Sunday and, and Saturday. But anyway, to answer your question, yeah, everybody is focused on the 2019 class. I'm, I'm talking about fans, and that makes complete sense to me. But getting these underclassmen on campus is going to – this is how you win – those recruiting battles later on. And there was a lot of guys from the Charlotte area. This is where you're starting to slowly kind of see Tommy Thigpen's dividends paying off. It is getting these top players that we might not really recognize right now, but in a year or two, these are going to be household names for those who follow recruiting very closely. So getting them on campus is huge because the more you get them on campus, the better off you are as far as increasing your chances with these guys. doesn't mean you're going to land them, but if you can get them off early, make a good first impression, have to spend some time with the coaches in a very laid-back environment, that's what the cookout is. There wasn't a whole lot of your traditional sort of recruiting stuff. It was, it was like a cookout, you know, a family cookout that you would go to where you obviously eat food, play some lawn games, and just kind of hang out and talk. And, and you know, from the feedback I've received so far, everybody has enjoyed – that, that UNC has incorporated this into the recruiting calendar. Where, um, 
Where do you want to go next? Well, let's take a quick commercial break, Don, and when we get back, let's go ahead and shift our focus to the 2019 class. Like you said, there are a lot of eyes on that right now, and we did have some developments in that class, <laughs> not necessarily you know, the most positive of developments for UNC, but nevertheless, one I think we should talk about. So let's take a break, and then we'll get to that when we come back. Some brands offer you low finance, or cashback, or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Some brands offer you low finance, or cashback, or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley and Don Callahan here talking UNC football recruiting. All right, Don, so like I mentioned before we went to break, let's talk about the 2019 class. And Carolina unfortunately lost a member of that class, Emory Simmons, the three-star wide receiver who switched his commitment from the Tar Heels to the Penn State Nittany Lions. Simmons was someone that had switched his initial commitment to the Heels. Sounded as if he was going to be pretty firm in that, but he was a surprise visitor to Penn State this past weekend. And as he announced on Twitter, he has now switched his commitment to them. So let's start first off, Don, you know, how much of a surprise kind of was this to you? And, you know, was this something that kind of should have caught everyone blindsided? Well, it definitely caught UNC blindsided. I, I spoke to a couple of sources uh, on Sunday morning, obviously less than 12 hours after it happened. He, he tweeted it out sometime, uh, I don't know, 10, 1030 on, on Saturday night, and they had no idea the visit was happening. I, too, who I communicate frequently, or I was communicating frequently with Emery, I was completely blindsided by it because this past week I reached out to him and uh, just to see if he was going to the cookout, like I you know, did to a couple other recruits who uh, helped me kind of compile the, uh, the list of expected attendees. His response to me was that he wasn't going to come to the cookout because his mother had just came out of surgery and that he wanted to spend Saturday – taking care of her, which when he told me it was a very admirable thing. Um, but turns out that he wasn't even at home on Saturday. He was in State College at Penn State and visiting there and flipped his commitment. And so, yeah, I mean, I thought he was firm. I thought North Carolina was a school that he always wanted to go to. And so I, I thought that uh, when UNC offered him while he was a, uh, committed to Indiana, that, that he was going to eventually flip to UNC. And, and that was going to be his ultimate landing spot because he was a North Carolina kid that wanted to go to UNC. So it's, it's, a, it's a huge surprise to me. And uh, I don't think it looks all that great that you're now on your third commitment. So we'll see what happens with, with all that. But, uh, you know, UNC obviously is going to be in the market for – Another wide receiver, they were essentially done at that position when um, Raekwon Anderson committed a couple weeks ago. Now they're back in it. You know, I'm going to have more on that 
uh, sometime this week, probably early this week, with my What Now series, uh, what, what UNC is going to do on this situation. But, yeah, I mean, UNC had no idea. They, they didn't. I didn't. You know, and, and as I said, you know, I've, I felt like I had a pretty good relationship with Emery and was definitely in communication with him. And he gave me no sort of indication whatsoever that he was looking around. And UNC felt the same way based off of what sources have told me. What about you? I mean, what, what did you think? Oh, it was a straight gut punch, in my opinion, because not only did UNC lose a commit from a class that already, you know, is not shaping up to really be the the biggest or the most highly rated, but you lost a in-state recruit. And I think uh, Emory was the only guy that UNC had committed that's in the top 50, according to the 247 rankings of North Carolina prospects. Now, Don, your rankings are a little bit different, and we'll actually get to those later on. But it's another very depressing turn in what's overall just been a 2019 recruiting class that, I mean, man, it's it's hard to think of the last one that went this badly for the Tar Heels, especially in-state. I thought that Emory was actually a guy that, I'm hesitant to say I saw him earning a fourth star, frankly, but I think he was really working his way up to kind of be on that borderline. He had a really great showing at the opening practices and everything like that. You know, I think that's where he caught their attention. So it's doubly harmful that you lost what's shaping up to be a very talented wide receiver who I think would have fit really well in UNC's spread offense. And then number two, you're losing that in-state commit as well because looking at your top 10 now, Don, that, that you posted a couple months back, you know, there's just not a whole lot of guys left in this top 10 that UNC is is in the mix for or is really counting on. In fact, I think the only uncommitted guys are Coffrey Brown, who you had at number 10, and Jaden McKenzie, who you had at six, and then J.R. Walker at number two, and Quaverius Crouch at number one. So, Don, let's wrap this up kind of taking that bird's eye view of the recruiting class. I mean, Carolina is not in it for Crouch, right? I mean, let's just let's just rip that bandaid off. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, he's he's not coming to Carolina. Hasn't been there since like January, I think. Yeah, exactly. You know, so that basically leaves J.R. Walker, Jaden McKenzie and Coffrey Brown, you know, between those three guys. I, I don't know, just me personally, I don't see UNC going three for three for those. I think they have the best shot at Jaden McKenzie. And, you know, with NC State landing Shaheem Battle, who you were very high on, Don, it looks like the heels are basically going after Walker or Bust at, at that cornerback position. And, you know, they're going to be kind of just digging through guys, trying to find another wide receiver now, I guess. Well, they really don't have a spot at DB anymore. They have reached their objective for the, for the position. Now, there's two guys that they would make room for. One of them is J.R. Walker, who is actually, as we, were, as we reported a week ago, or last week, he's uh, officially visiting North Carolina the weekend of the home opener. And then the other guy is Tony Davis, who we'll find out a little bit more about his situation. He's technically committed to Duke, but we'll find out a little bit more about his situation later this week after I am able to spend some time with him. I agree. You know, UNC has the best chance of the uncommitted guys. Of now, I do have. Um, I don't have my list in front of me, but I know I had Tony Davis pretty high. How, how high did I go with him? Was so you had Tony Davis at at number five, actually. So close. Yeah. So I don't think you know, right now. Jr. has has flat out said that he's leaning towards South Carolina. I think 
South Carolina is going to ultimately end up getting him. Um, and and I don't think I mean I don't want to say that if 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 UNC gets Tony Davis, then I don't think they'll be all that heartbroken about missing on J.R. Walker. And it wouldn't surprise me if they got Tony Davis if they stopped recruiting J.R. Walker altogether. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but you know, there, there does come a point where where you, you can't just over overdo one position no matter how good some of these players are. And then uh, yeah, Jaden, I think UNC has a great shot at. I, I talked about earlier that uh, I felt like UNC is, is the team to beat, and I think that's going to end up he's going to end up committing. Chaffrey is an interesting one. UNC is going to want to fill that other spot at receiver that Boyd left with Emory Simmons with a taller, longer wide receiver, which Chaffrey is not. But even when Simmons was committed, UNC had continued to recruit Chaffrey. You know, he just has to uh, – he has some stuff he needs to work on, and the staff is kind of working with him as he does that. But I think really, if signing they were today, I think he would end up at Tennessee mostly because he has been visiting there a lot lately. And I really – you know, initially I kind of thought that him and his brother were so close that they wanted to play together. I now think that – uh, Chaffrey wants to kind of do his own thing, which, you know, there's, there's, there's no combating that if that's, that ends up being the case. And just from talking to some people close to him, they've said that that's the feeling that they get, and Tennessee's probably going to be the path to do that. So then looking at the top ten, Don, if Carolina does only end up with Jaden McKenzie as who we think right now is, you know, comfortable to say is a Carolina lean, and even then, he's not a commit. I mean, he hasn't, you know, officially given that yet. To me, it really highlights how difficult of a 2019 class this is for the Heels. And just, you know, what's shaping up to be a very poor recruiting class overall, there's really no sugarcoating it. When the staff is basically hoping to flip Tony Davis as a four-star guy who's currently committed to Duke. And even if they're able to, to get that pulled off, to me, it's it's just not a good sign when you're hoping for flips to get kids within the top ten of your own home state. Yeah, I mean, I just think this this class overall has really the the, the bad luck that kind of consumed UNC for much of last football season has just really fallen fell into this this recruiting class. You know, and I think it almost if you think about it, a lot of things went right with with the 2018 recruiting class. So it seemed like the uh, the bad luck kind of skipped that class and went on to this class. And at first, I was kind of skeptical that that things were going, you know, that it's just you know, bad luck. But I finally became a believer after just, you know, after Raekwon Anderson delays his announcement. And then Christian Rory decides to make a, a commitment and ends up committing to, to Duke. And, you know, on and on and on, all these guys just, you know, and then, then you have the, the quarterback, uh, Brandon Clark, you know, who was silently committed to North Carolina, ends up changing his mind and ends up committing to Notre Dame. And it's just hit after hit after hit. And then you lose a kid who you and I just got done talking about, Emory Simmons, that is, that uh, he was, we felt like he was destined to flip to North Carolina and that's where he was going to be. And, and all of a sudden he just makes a secret visit and flips to Penn State. It's just crazy just how much bad luck is going on and, yeah, I mean, obviously some of this is a result of, of different things um, that, the, that the staff is doing and isn't doing or wasn't doing and, and all that and the, and the turnover and all that. But regardless of what the reason is, it is just crazy that, that this is happening. It is. And, you know, as a fan perspective, it's it's frustrating because 
obviously so much of what happens in recruiting is done without ever coming to public light. All the visits, the phone calls, the meetings, so much of that happens away from the public eye. So when you're looking at it from a fan perspective, they just see mostly the end result. Um, they either see the mm-hmm. official visits and then the commitments. And it's really hard to, to look at what's happening. And, you know, I mean, fans want answers. And, and we see that on the message board all the time. And truthfully, it's just, it happens sometimes. And it's like you said, it's, this has just been kind of the worst possible scenario has always happened for Carolina during this re- recruiting class for whatever reason. Um, but, I mean, look, the season's about to begin. And close it out with this, Don. If Carolina does have an above-average season, so let's say if the Heels are able to win eight or nine games and if they are able to beat NC State in that final game of the year, do you foresee that as providing kind of a renewed launching pad for the staff to try to salvage what they can after, you know, say from the midpoint of the season on to National Signing Day? I think that, and you know me, we've, we've had this conversation multiple times. I don't think it's going to have this drastic improvement in this class. I think it will definitely help, and it will it will calm the concerns about, one, about Fedora being fired, which is something that has been used against North Carolina on the recruiting trail within the last couple of months. And also, it will calm the fact that you can say, hey, 2017 was just a really bad season, and it was a result of a lot of injuries. Otherwise, we would have had a good season. And if you have a good season in 2018, you can say, see, that's proof that when we have a healthy team, we can we can put together a, a decent season. The other thing, too, which um, we haven't touched on too much, is the stuff with the shoegate stuff. And I'm not going to go into it too much because it's not really my expertise. I'll let, I'll let Greg yeah, kind of handle that stuff. That's, a, but, that's right up Greg Barnes' wheelhouse right there. Yeah, yeah, but what I will say from a recruiting standpoint is that a lot of the uh, opposing colleges, particularly NC State, have found out about uh, this situation prior to uh, the public finding out, and they did what they've been doing last year, or last, God, how long was it that the NCAA playoff was over UNC? And really what they've been doing is just saying, you know, UNC is going to get the death penalty, UNC is going to get this, that, and all that sort of stuff. And really, from what I've been told, from what I'm hearing, it's not going to be anywhere close to that. I mean, it clearly is going to affect this season, but beyond that, it's not. So really, for recruits' purposes, it's, it's not going to affect them. But obviously, until something is announced, then opposing coaching staff can use it against UNC and just let their imagination be the limit to what they can say that's going to happen at UNC. And these kids and these parents and these high school coaches who don't know any better – who are really naive to the whole to the whole situation, they're going to believe a lot of this, and they have been. And that's something that has been really affecting North Carolina with this class, particularly the last couple of months. So once that stuff kind of gets out there and it says, okay, this is exactly what's going to happen, no more, no less, then I think that's really going to help with this, this class. I will say, though, no one should be looking for this to be a just drastic change with this class, that all of a sudden a bunch of four- and five-star guys are going to be flooding this class. Could UNC finish like they did last year with a couple of four-star guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I think there's there's some surprises left. But it's not going to all of a sudden be this top 10, top 15, top 25 class 
just based off of some of these things kind of working themselves out because the damage has already been done. Yeah, I mean, I think everything you said there is very Faradon. I agree with it. I mean, it's it's bitter medicine, but in my experience, in my opinion, it's better to just go ahead and get it over with, you know, face things as, as best you can and go from there. So let's go ahead and, and wrap this one, man. Uh, we managed to make it through the entire podcast without, you know, hearing Don Kareen off the side of 85. So I'm going to count that a win in my book. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm safe. I don't know exactly where I'm at. Oh, um, I just, I just left Salisbury. So I'm getting closer to Charlotte. So wish me luck the rest of the way again. Oh, yeah. Enjoy the traffic. We'll talk again soon, Don. For everyone listening in, thank you from all of us here at Inside Carolina. And stay tuned. We'll be talking more as the season gets closer. Take it easy, Don. Thank you. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie.